My name is Kate Codrington and welcome to Life, an Inside Job. It's the podcast that helps to make your inside life a great place to be. This episode is all about sleep and as I have had a challenging relationship with sleep over the last 17 years, I was really keen to talk to Sally because she knows masses about the physiology and the psychology of sleep from both a professional and a personal angle. Sally's an award-winning hypnotherapist and she uses rapid transformational therapy. She hosts the fabulous Menopause Mindset podcast and she's the founder also of the of the Sleep Superpower Academy, which is her 12-week online course and community. And she's just hugely passionate about innovative approaches to health and well-being, which support midlife and menopause transition. In our conversation, we cover sleep, how to sleep, how to get to sleep, how not to get to sleep, perimenopause, mental health, rest, and all kinds of other stuff too. So, Let's get into our conversation. Sally had so much great stuff to share. Oh, Sally, this is a really good time to have this conversation because my I've I think I've come through it. Yeah. I'm coming through it. But I've had a fantastically crap <laughs> patch of sleep and this is this is this is an ongoing issue for me for the last um uh 17 years so it's the thing it's the thing it's the thing that most that comes up when my life when my life goes out of whack yeah it's the sleep that suffers so yeah. I, I have a deeply personal interest in your expertise ah yeah well similarly to you, I had um, never never really struggled with sleep until perimenopause hit. But when it did, boy, did I struggle. And I tied myself up in so many knots with sleep. I mean, I would, I don't know if it's because I'm, I've got a thinky type of mind. I, I'm a thinker. I, I will go so far as to say I'm quite intelligent, but I've worked on that. I've read a lot and, you know, like you, 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 you have an interest, you're curious, but I think that makes it, I think that can make insomnia worse because then you, an overactive mind is, is food for insomnia, you know? Mm. And for me, when I started to experience it, it was brand new. I was 41. I was on tour with a band and, um, I was singing, I was just doing backing vocals. It was my first tour. It should have been a really amazing time of my life. I was with all these young people, um, but I didn't sleep for the whole 10 days. Whoa. And of course, yeah. I mean, I got, I got winks. I got, I dozed obviously, but I was on such high alert. I run out of beta blockers, couldn't get any. Cause I was just so exhausted to fight with the pharmacist, you know, to try and get me some. Um, I wasn't on the HRT that I'm on now. And I didn't really know. I was just such at the end of my tether and I had to get on stage every night and perform. Mm-hmm. And I had panic attacks on stage. I thought I was going to pass out. I had to sort of get up with sunglasses on because the lights were too bright And when I got home, I thought to myself, oh, thank goodness, that's going to be it now. I finally, my own bed, because the reasons why I thought I couldn't sleep was because I was in a room with lots of people. Um, I was just sort of very aware of my surroundings, but I would also do this thing where I would sabotage my sleep. I would stop myself going to sleep just to see what it would be like. like self-torture you know yeah um and then I would wake myself up to see if I'd gone to sleep I mean how ironic is that it was just I was got I'd got myself into such a double bind with it all 
um, heart palpitations, electric shocks, all sorts of things. When I got home, I thought all of that would be over because I was in my own bed, but that was just the beginning of it. So, yes, I figured a few things out along the way, hence the reason why I, I help people with their sleep. So, yeah, what, what's it been like for you? Mm, um, well, actually, the similarity, what, what, what interests me and in what you said was about the nervous system alert, being alert. The high alert. High alert. And um, that's how it was for me. And for me, it was, I think probably I've always had a bit of it, but for me, it was the first time I remember it was with my first child. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, and when eventually the child was going to sleep, I didn't <laughs> because I was, I think my um, inner wolf mother needed to protect. I couldn't, I couldn't let that go. Couldn't let go. No, no. And that when, and you know, it's come and gone over time and I've yeah. done all the things as I'm sure you have. <laughs> Yeah, all, all, the the things, things. all the things, all the things. <laughs> um, and just to say, I still have a, a, a Pavlov response when people, when I see an advertisement for sleep this or sleep that, I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> Even though I know it doesn't work. Yeah, I it's the sleep that, aids, <gasps> isn't it? Please yeah. help me. That's I still sad. have that response. But actually, what needs soothing is that wolf mother. Yeah. And the wolf mother no longer operates, well, rarely operates in defense of my children, but she's still she still has one eye awake. Yeah, that's it, isn't Very it? It's that one eye awake. Yeah. And it it might be waiting, you know, if if I have a conflict, some sort of conflict situation, she'll have an eye awake for that. If and it, it's not just interestingly, it's not just like negative stress it's excitement too it doesn't it doesn't really matter I mean I, I can give the um I would call it arousal I would give the arousal any kind of flavor I can call it raspberry ripple or snail flavor arousal yeah. like good or bad but it has the same effect on my sleep yeah yeah so my my task what well, as I've learned um, because like, like like you, I've read a lot. I'm curious as you, yeah. as you you mentioned, and I've read a lot. Um, it's about soothing my nervous system. And Absolutely. that takes all sorts of things like um uh commitment. Uh what is it, when you do something every day, I can't remember what that's called. Consistency. Consistency, that's the yeah. thing. Like consistency, commitment, and small changes in right across the whole of my life. So Absolutely. it's not particular. I mean, obviously, I do the sleep hygiene stuff, and I take care of that. You know, that comes and goes, but that's, you know, that's essential. But yeah. it's not just that. It's about eating, eating breakfast of particular kinds of food at particular kinds of times, and yeah. about managing my stress, about managing my diary intelligently. Oh yeah, the whole thing. So so yeah, that's right, and that's. I've got a big thing about sleep aids. So things like CBD oil, melatonin, you know, I've, I've tried it all and they might work temporarily, but I do think a lot of it is placebo because mm. it relaxes your nervous system. Oh, I've got this new thing. You have hope it's going to work. You trust it's going to work. You dive into it. Uh, you sort of surrender yourself into it. And that, I think it's the surrendering and the letting go and, and letting yourself be held by the thing, mm. the external thing that actually relaxes your nervous system. Mm. That enables you to go to sleep. But of course, life happens. You get the arousal, the simp go into the sympathetic state, whether that's excitement or anxiety, like you say. So then it becomes a question of, well, how do I regulate my nervous system? How do I manage my nervous system? Not just once, but all through my life. And I've only just within the last couple of years come across polyvagal theory. Yeah. yeah. And it for me, it was such a game changer because I realized that then actually the moods that I was experiencing or the things, the insomnia, the anxiety wasn't actually my fault per se. Of course, we have to take 
a bit of responsibility for ourselves, but it was my nervous system was having a reaction to something perceived like a, a something outside of myself that I had perceived as a threat. But I could change that perception if I worked at it. Mm. You know, so for people for people who don't know what it is, can you give us um, a kind of like an, a beginner's guide to polyvagal theory? I will. I will try. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, good job. I've got my little sign up here. So, okay. polyvagal theory was um, uh, Stephen Porges is the the polyvagal guy. I think he developed it, or he was the first one who. Um, came designed this theory this model this um, way of thinking about the nervous system so you've got your autonomic nervous system that's the sort of umbrella at the top and then you've got a branch off which is your sympathetic nervous system and then you've got another branch off which is the parasympathetic nervous system and these are the two nervous systems that we're quite familiar with sympathetic being fight flight so arousal that might you know you might get the urge to run and jump and skip or screech or howl I think even orgasm is is a sympathetic response yeah um, motivation that's a sympathetic response when we're pumped but then on the other side the parasympathetic you've got two branches which I didn't know about I'd only heard of the rest and digest but you also have, I sort of think of it as a scale. If you could see me now, I'm like kind of doing a ruler in front of me. On the far end of one side, you've got immobilization, which is sort of when you're you're frozen, that's the freeze response. And I've experienced this recently where I kind of go a bit limp. So this would typically be things like um, depression, uh, hopelessness, that feeling of shut down, that feeling of just utter powerlessness when you go into that real apathy of nothing, nothingness, Mm -hmm. nothing's going to work. Usually here we can be quite sleepy Mm -hmm. if we're not um, fluctuating because we can fluctuate between sympathetic and the far end of the parasympathetic. That's when we come dysregulated. We're doing this um, swinging. We're pendulating backwards and forwards. So that's the immobilization on the far left, shall we say. Then you've got the rest and digest in the middle, which is that lovely feeling of calm, tranquility, peace. You know, I'm laying on a beach in Barbados, sipping my nice little virgin cocktail, and I'm all is good with the world. That's where what we're kind of aiming for when we are, um, when we're in when we're going to sleep or when we're resting or when we're just, um, you know, feeling, feeling calm. Then you've also got this other branch, which is fascinating. This is called the ventral vagal branch. And this is all to do with communication and social engagement. And this helps you to feel safe. This helps you to feel Um, included supported like you belong this is why community is so important and why communities online or in person are popping up all over the place because we're realizing now this is so healing for our nervous systems it can take us it's a way into that parasympathetic um, part of the nervous system so Often we might not feel like engaging with the world, but actually when we do, we can feel a lot better. By having this conversation with you now, I'm starting to feel that I I feel safer. I feel recognized. I feel witnessed because you're listening to me. And there's a part of me that's going, oh, that feels really nice. So my partner has just come out of the bedroom. Let's hope he's not naked because the door's (laughs) open. No, okay, we're good. <laughs> See that that put me into sympathetic mode there for a minute. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, totally real life. Yeah, totally real. So, no. so yeah, those when we're talking about insomnia, we're looking at ways of or or working with our our um, ability to be able to go to sleep. Because I don't really like using that word insomnia. I do because mm-hmm. it's it explains things, but our ability to be able to go to sleep, we need to know where we are on that 
spectrum, that nervous okay. system spectrum. Mm. So if we are hyper aroused, if we if we've been in that sympathetic state for too long, mm. That's me. then yeah, because our heart rate needs to be around sixty BPM to mm-hmm. fall asleep. So if we're over around 70 or 80, which I can be sometimes if I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm watching something mm. that's like a, a car chase, then my heart rate will go up. So that's not a great place to start your bedtime journey, you mm. know. Mm. So looking at where you are and, and how you are, if you're too far the other end, if you're immobilized, then you might be um, high, hypo might be in what is it hypo there's a word for it I can't remember where you sleep too much hyper hypersomnia that's yeah, it where people sleep a lot a lot a lot and a lot a lot time. yeah that's right that's right so if you're that end of the spectrum it's doing things within your capability that you've got right now to try to mobilize yourself a bit more that might be orgasm that might be going out for a walk Mm. that might be doing the dishes might be putting a load of washing in it might be I don't know looking at your phone or something just to get you up Mm. this is so this is so helpful Sally thank you really really interesting because um, you know, the conventional wisdom is, oh, you're, you're stressed, you need to relax more. Yeah. And if you're hyper aroused, that's not going to be possible from a hyper yep. aroused place. And if you're hypo, whatever it is, the word that we can't remember. Right. <laughs> Just hypo, yeah. <laughs> if, you're hy- if, if you're, or let's call it floppy, if you're really, yeah. really floppy and exhausted and flat, you need to... Um, you need to have more energy in your system yeah in order to get to the relaxed place absolutely it's working with where you're at so meet yourself where you're at if you're hyper aroused if you're in that sympathetic state it might just be you know meditation might be a hop skip and a jump too far for you um so how can you meet yourself where you're at so if i'm climbing the walls with anxiety it might be shaking full body shaking and just making a noise like that or screeching or discharging that's Mm. the word I'm looking for discharging that energy Mm. somehow it might be screaming into a pillow after I've discharged then doing the breathing exercises Mm. are going to help or sitting maybe doing a bit of meditation or something or going for a walk sometimes in going for a walk is not enough because I I sort of need to verbalize I need to get it out verbally mm. yeah so the, the, the other thing is in in both you know those extreme states both the floppy mm. place and and the hyper hyper stress place mm. very likely we can't tell anymore what we need yeah very likely yeah because in both you, cases yes. we are to some extent dissociated from our body wisdom yeah absolutely it's like trying to stop road rage isn't it (laughs) when somebody cuts you up like how are you going to stop that (laughs) so so what's so what do you recommend to your people then well I think it's awareness it's having the awareness it's knowing that you have a tool and then um having that tool at your disposal I would also say the more you practice this on the regular, the less likely you are going to fall into those, those two categories. Yeah, it is that consistency. That said, you know, we can be going along quite happily in life and ticking over quite nicely. Then something happens and it can throw us and we forget all of our tools. They go out of the window, yeah. you know. Um, I had a client the other day and she was like, please don't give me any more tools. I'm sick of tools. I just want to be fixed. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. But, oh, there's the drilling again. There's the drill of truth. (laughs) Let me just put this on, change the setting so you don't hear it as much. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I hear that you don't, you want a magic wand sometimes, don't you? You want somebody to just fix it for you so that you don't have to think about what it is that you've got to do. But ultimately, you know, ultimately, I suppose the responsibility does come down to you knowing what you need, because then you can ask for what you need. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, my, my most recent thing, I got really clear on in, the, in this particular cycle of sleep disturbance mm. was how holding it is, because I do need holding and I, I, I can kind of trick, I can't trick myself. All the, breathe, all the bloody breathing in the, in world, the world is not going to trick myself into thinking, that I didn't have a didn't have a disturbed suit the night before, and I'm not and I'm not again worried about it, and that that automatically gives me a level of arousal. Yeah. But what is holding is to have a plan. Yeah. So step, you know, I have a sort of if when I wake up, step one this. Yeah. Step two that. Step three that. That's brilliant. And that the things that I. The, the step the steps change over time but it's the idea that I know what to do yeah yeah and when you're in that sort of crisis of oh my god I've woken up it's then that you you pull on those steps or you pull on what it is that you know because yeah. it's no good sort of sitting there panicking you will be making sleep more and more elusive that's the irony the more you panic about not sleeping the more you push sleep away yeah, yeah hand, hands up found myself in that position many many mm. times with mm. big things to do the next day and just being absolutely at the end of my tether so I found that by almost like not worrying about whether I'll sleep or not makes sleep come to me much easier but it's also this thing of knowing how much sleep is enough sleep for you as well because I think we get caught talk, up don't talk we talk more about that because we, we've we've had little discussions about this before so yeah is there a, how much sleep is enough well it varies depending on what chronotype you are so there are four different chronotypes according to um Dr Michael Bruce and so I'm a lion which means I go to bed, I'm very specific, I go to bed at 10 past 10. Mm -hmm. I wake up usually around six, sometimes a bit earlier, sometimes a bit later. I never set an alarm now because my circadian rhythms are so strong that um, I will, I'm literally like Cinderella, I just conk out at 10 past 10. <laughs> um, there are exceptions that of course so the lion is the early the early bird mm. then you've got the bear the bear is 55 percent of the population mm. and they will be your sort of highly social types quite chilled quite relaxed they would easily do a nine to five job and live for the weekend and live for the evenings they tend to go to bed at 11 and get up at seven mm. or that sort of time there are really specific times and I can't remember what they are exactly for bears. Mm. You've got your wolf, which are typically your creative. So your musicians, your artists, your writers, your deep thinkers, they will stay up quite late that, you know, if left to their own devices, they'll be up all night and sleep all day. Then you've got your dolphins, which are your true insomniac. So for anyone that's a dolphin, you know, six hours sleep is actually a really good night's sleep. So they could go to bed at 12 and wake up at six or um, you really want to think in sleep cycles more than anything. So uh, you want 20 minutes to fall asleep. And then you want if you're a lion or a bear, you want uh, five sleep cycles. So that's the sleep cycle is 90 minutes. So that actually works out. I think it's like seven and a half hours or just over seven and a half hours for mm. most people. If you're a wolf or a dolphin, you four sleep cycles would be enough. So that works out, I think, about six and a half. Mm. So it's not, you know, everyone needs eight hours a night. It is quite specific. And these chronotypes are actually genetic as well. Okay, so this is this is something that you you are this is something well, it's something that you are but it's also it's something, something that, that changes through your life it does change through it your does. life it's okay. it also it's who you are but it also changes I think people find their true chronotype at, at some point in their life so I know when I was most teenagers are wolves they want to stay up all night and be asleep all day 
then 20s and 30s we sort of become more bear-like and then um the older we get the more polyphasic we get as well mm. so the more we sleep um intermittently so if you imagine like you know the retired person that naps a lot during the day um and then sort of can't really sleep all through the night mm. because they've napped a lot but that's sort of what happens as we get older mm. we can train quite, in there's quite a lot of research to into pre-industrial societies we were talking yeah. about about this last month where it's they find that it was normal to have two phases of sleep that's right and more phases of sleep you know to have two or yeah. three and that and I think the more the more I read about that the more again that's very holding and soothing because this this concept that the the, the solid eight hours is actually a post-industrial thing that is in service of, of capitalism, basically. Aha, uh -huh. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because I think naturally, you know, one person, when we lived in the tribes, one person would be up looking out to make sure there were no bears or tigers while the rest that's of my, us That's slept. my inner wolf. <laughs> yeah, like you like you described. Yeah, you're, you're on the lookout for danger. Mm. So it is, you're right, it's... It's releasing all of that pressure to sleep. Once we know, oh, we, I am getting enough sleep. Because I used to think like that. I used to look at my Fitbit and, and get confused. Sometimes I'd think I'd feel like I'd had enough sleep. My Fitbit was telling me I'd only had six and a half hours. Okay. So can you, give, feel... can you give every, everybody permission to ditch the sleep thing on their Fitbits? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, do what works for you. If mm. if you feel it helps you. For me, in the early stages, it sort of helped me to understand my sleep. I think I used a Fitbit for about six months. And I, I was like, oh, that's that's quite cool. I was measuring. Um, it was affirming that I was actually okay. sleeping quite well. Right. Um, and it, once I saw it there, I'd be like, oh, great, that's brilliant. I have an affirmation. I have something telling me that I'm sleeping quite well. Even though I was waking up quite a lot mm. in the middle of the night, I could see that I was getting enough deep, enough REM and enough light sleep. Mm. So that was good enough for me. It doesn't matter how many times I wake up. And if I wasn't getting enough deep, so you need around two hours of deep. Well, between one and two hours is enough. If I wasn't getting between one and two hours then I'd be like okay what can I do to maybe improve that a little bit mm. and then it would be you know all right let's get back on the meditation let's do a bit more daydreaming let's do a bit more processing during the daytime so that my brain's not number crunching when it should be sleeping you know things like that and mm. I think I don't use it now I don't need to I don't need to see what my sleep's doing now because I fully trust that I I know uh, I know what I'm doing with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that verification. Another thing that um, that, the, that comes up around sleep is how rested we are in general. Yeah, you're right. And what what again? Somebody might say, "Oh, you you need to rest more," or we all know that we need to rest more. But finding the kind of rest that is A, is possible because of the cultural shame, <laughs> shame and guilt around rest, which yeah. is endless, yeah. apparently. Um, but also finding out what that is. That's Absolutely. a thing, isn't it? What is restful? Because, again, lying, lying down very often isn't restful because our, mind, <laughs> our clever minds all rush rush into the space with uh, with all sorts of unhelpful right. thoughts sometimes yeah sometimes laying on the sofa for me for five minutes with my phone is it can be quite restful mm. sometimes without my phone if I'm laying in bed in the morning and I've had you know enough sleep I need to get out of that bed because laying in that bed is not going to be restful mm. I need to get into action and be productive because ultimately you know knowing that I've done some things I haven't wasted the day it's going to enable me to rest in the evening yeah yeah you know 
Um, just that feeling of completion. Mm. Even if I haven't completed everything, even if I've just done a brain dump on a on a pad of mm. things that I need to get done the next day or the next year, let's face it, because <laughs> it, it's not all going to get done the next day. But doing that, again, it's discharging, isn't it? Mm. At the end of the day, writing mm. a list, that could be your your way of completing the day. I think it's important to bookend yeah so let's talk about um how to help ourselves to have no I'm not even going to say to have better sleep because my sleep is absolutely fine as it is you see you see there you go did you hear that that negativity creeps in we have better sleep yeah so that okay let's start again how can we Put activities through our day to help ourselves feel more energy, better energy through the day. If we start, if we start in the morning, you, you talked about getting out of bed and being productive. Hmm. So what, what else? Well, I can, can tell you do? what I do, yeah. which helps me, because I think what I do might not help others, but I I get up and get out as quickly as possible. Reason being I live in a flat. I'm high, I'm on the fourth floor. The minute I get up, I need to ground myself <laughs> properly because cortisol and adrenaline is, is quite high in the morning. It's cortisol and adrenaline, by the way, is stronger than any cup of coffee. So you don't need coffee, particularly in the morning, to, to wake you up. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> your cortisol and adrenaline, you can you can have it. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> But your cortisol and adrenaline can do a much better job right. if you let okay. it. If, if um, you let it, okay. If you let it, yeah. So I have quite a substantial amount in the morning, so I take the dog out for a walk. I literally go in my PJs and my Crocs, throw a jumper on, and I walk around the block 15 minutes. And then I like to sort of tidy up when I get back from that dog walk. So I do a bit of tidying. I'll clear the kitchen. I'll just uh, – clutter clearing makes me feel – good makes me feel like I'm doing something I might even clear out a drawer or something like that um sometimes I will go and have a cold shower get ready and then sit down and do my my work sometimes I might go to the gym first thing in the morning um or other times I might do yoga sometimes rarely these days but if I haven't slept particularly well my body might not want to jump into action at all. So I will kind of get up and then go and lay on the sofa and do some, um, might do some Wim Hof breathing. I might do some square breathing. I might do, if I can't, if I don't have the mental capacity to even count, I will do a, a meditation that I've got, which is very soothing. I created it. It's inside the a sleep academy and um it's like a, a meditation framework which eventually you can do off by heart you don't need it but um it's i suppose it's a hybrid method from emily fletcher the meditation teacher she learned transcendental meditation i believe and it helps to induce that theta state mm. so i love that type of meditation and I also love hypnosis recordings because they take you to that theta state which is the precursor for delta wave sleep so we need that I love theta it's just that's where the magic happens I don't know if you feel like that you're got one foot in both worlds I'm a nidra a nidra fanatic so yeah right yeah exactly that exactly nidra is fantastic for getting you into that um theta state So I will often do some kind of a theta meditation in the afternoon Mm. because we have a natural dip in energy in the afternoon. And and it's nice to go with that, you know, and and I pop myself into bed. I get my headphones, I get my sleep mask and I'll just do that. Not all the time. I don't do it every day. I think if I'm in the the thick of an insomnia period, then I would do that every day. Mm. And then for the rest of the time, it's really just keeping a check on those thoughts or even like floating through the day a bit more mindfully. 
So rather than um, uh, powering through the day, which can often happen if you're quite aroused, you know, you sort of stomp and grip through the day. It's I've have really learned to slow my movements down quite a lot. And I think compared to like some of my friends, I move really slowly. Like if I'm getting changed in the gym, I'll, I'll do it really slowly. And that has helped quite a lot. I drive a lot slower than I used to. Um, go around the supermarket a lot slower than I used to. <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, I try to anyway, you know. Yeah. So that, it's sort of bringing... that, that, that kind of thing is something that we can all do anytime we can just slow down. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. It doesn't take any extra time. Yeah, and remember, remembering that the whole world out there I'm pointing out the window. <laughs> the traffic, the social media, the news, the telly, everything in the mainstream world is inviting us to go faster and harder. Yeah, yeah. Everything. So it won't necessarily feel comfortable. Yeah, and there's, um, I did a podcast episode myself called Rest is Rebellion. <laughs> Such a great title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rest is Resistant as well if you if you want to resist the patriarchy mm-hmm. if you want to be and it's like being an activist but the opposite mm-hmm. you're being an activist by not actually doing anything mm-hmm. have you come across the instagram account the nap ministry yes have you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i mean for me that's just been brilliant yeah, I'll put. Um, I'm writing down all these references you're making, and right, I'll put them in the notes. Yeah, so people can find them. I can't remember the name of the lady now, but um, yeah. she's a like an amazing black woman who mm. is just she shows up so authentically, and I've yeah. I've learned a lot from her. Yeah, mm. but it's permission to rest, isn't it? Yeah. 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 If anybody out there needs permission to rest, then you can just message us. <laughs> We'll give it we'll, to you. We'll give it to you. We, we yeah. have little, little certificates. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a DM and I'll be, yes, of course you can rest. Go and take 20 minutes. Doctor's orders. <laughs> so you've got us through to about lunchtime. What about in the evenings? What does yeah. the evening look like to, to nourish the, your circadian rhythm? Well, yeah, I mean, evenings is a big one because within your evening, what's really helped me is having a power down hour. So, and actually mine's a bit longer than that now, but it's, um, it, we're not like iPhones. We can't just turn ourselves off. Some people are lucky. They can, they just pre-menopausally, you know, I'm asleep. <laughs> but I think we need a bit longer. We need to power down gradually and slowly. So, I'll make my dinner after work, take the dog for a walk, come back, eat my dinner, and then I'll potter around. So I like pottering. I like to organize everything for the next day. I can't just sit on the sofa and watch telly. Um, I mean, I do, and I I do later on in the evening, but um, from sort of seven until probably nine, I'm pottering, doing bits and bobs. Then I'll have a nice warm shower. So this is really part of my power down is warm shower, put my creams on, put my HRT on, get my PJs on. And then I'll go in the kitchen and I will make a little snack. <laughs> so some oat cakes some peanut butter, something really comforting. And I really look forward to it. I try to avoid cakes and biscuits and things so like that. Are you deliberately choosing protein? Though? Mix of protein and carbs. Okay. They work quite well because you've got the tryptophan um, from the, is it, yeah, from the protein. Um, and then carbs help that to go into the digestive system and be uptaken. Um, and, yeah, it's just nice, isn't it, to have something while you're watching a little bit of telly. So try not to go mad and have, like, big bowls of crisps. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does happen sometimes. <laughs> but you pay for it. So, um, and then I'll just sit on the sofa and watch is what you watch for me is 
really, really important. You know, I used to be able to watch all these crime dramas and these like sci-fi action-packed things. And then I realized, God, I'm having an adrenaline rush, you know, mm. it wasn't too bad pre-menopause. But now it's, you know, the Gilmore Girls, it's Big Bang Theory, it's I Friends. I don't actually <laughs> talk very much after nine o'clock. <laughs> no, oh no. I don't because any kind of discussion or like discussion with my partner or family or uh, or phone calls or stuff yeah activates me yeah for sure well you know you're you're in the giving profession as well aren't you like you're giving to clients mm. during the day if you're or you're giving to your business and the last thing you want to do is give to anyone else mm. I'm exactly the same I don't have children mm. so I sort of have a little bit of gap in my knowledge when it comes to how to navigate family life at bedtime but I have a partner <laughs> I can I can fill you in tell them to bugger no. off. yeah yeah well that's exactly what I <laughs> it's boundaries isn't it yes yeah I don't answer my phone I don't do texting it, my phone gets charged in the office the office door gets closed and that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah. don't want to know that's I'm afraid hard for lots of people though isn't it yeah. yeah it is it's a real struggle but the trouble is, it's the blue light. Mm. If you're staring at a screen, the phone, I think, is worse than a computer because it's like micro-focused, yeah. So how, in an ideal world, how long before we go to sleep should we stop using screens? Well, I mean, TV is a screen, but... TV can actually be quite soothing if you're watching the right programs. It can it can help to regulate your nervous system, okay. um, and then the the sort of gentle noise. It Gilmore can, Girls. Well, yeah, perhaps not the Gilmore Girls, but something like Friends or Big Bang Theory or well, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, suits whatever you like, you. whatever, whatever suits, suits you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's just a warm sense of comfort. You know, when you were little, I don't know if you ever had that feeling of the noise of your mum or the noise of people talking at a dinner party would make you feel so sleepy mm. if you're not particularly engaged with it. Mm. So that can really help. But blue light blocking glasses do work a treat. Okay. And I have um, an app on my computer called Flux. It's F dot L U X. Yep. You install it and it goes orange or screen goes orange okay. the darker it gets. Mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. but yeah I mean if you're going to bed at 11 I would stop using phones at nine okay so a couple of hours a couple of hours yeah for sure yeah okay so can we talk about I mean there's an elephant in our room and it's perimenopause <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's dressed up in her best she's flapping her ears yeah stomping her feet so, uh, as you as you said, it was at it was early perimenopause when your your sleep started to speak to you. Yeah. So, what is happening there in perimenopause that disturbs our sleep? Well, the progesterone is falling, so the the cortisol and adrenaline, you know, kicks off and and stops us. You know, we go we go a bit a bit mad with it all. I think because of this elevated but it's also a blood sugar issue as well when when our blood sugar is a bit all over the place which can happen because of the hormone disruption then we get woken up in the middle of the night if we're having a blood sugar low mm. so balancing your blood sugar is so important i That's think with your um, oat cakes and peanut butter yeah and things like that yeah you should never go to bed hungry mm. i mean eating within a 12 hour window has been um, proven to be the best way of eating for sleep but having said that you shouldn't go to bed hungry um, because you will have that blood sugar dip in the middle of the night so but neither should you eat lots of cake yeah, or sure. something sweet because your blood sugar is going to go high it's going to come crashing down and anytime your blood sugar comes crashing down you get a surge of adrenaline and cortisol so Many people, that's why many people do struggle in the middle of the night, waking up and they can't get back off to sleep. Yeah. But I think there's also other stuff, you know, emotional stuff, stuff from the past, that deep rooted narrative of I'm not enough. Mm. 
Mm. I need to try harder. I, I must be better. Um, I can't stop. I can't let go. Um, I've got to, and the responsibility as well that we feel at menopause, you know, that the sandwich generation, having to hold mental space for children, for ailing parents and ourselves. I mean, and with all of those hormone changes, are you kidding me? Like, no wonder we have sleepless nights. There's so much we're having to hold energetically. Um, and women, do we carry the mental load. So, yeah, it's no wonder. It's no wonder we're burnt out, exhausted. We're tired but wired. And having to look after ourselves can end up being just something else we have to do. <laughs> something yeah. else on the list. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh my God, self care! Don't talk to me about self care. I've got enough. To do. I've got enough. Yeah. to do this already. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's. But we do have to flip that script, and I think that's the journey, isn't it? Of okay. menopause. So, how do we flip the script? Oh, <laughs> you just have to chip away at it. I think. I think it's like that. I've got that image of. Um, the statue they say don't they sculpture sculptors the statue is already in there and you just have to chip away and eventually the statue reveals itself mm. and I think your second spring is the statue that is waiting to be revealed and so perimenopause is perhaps you chipping away mm. and every time you chip away that's you almost like going against what you actually want to do because rest is rest feels very resistant there's a lot of resistance to resting we have a lot of resistance to looking after ourselves a lot of resistance to putting boundaries in place so we just have to do the hard thing there's no other way around it we have to do the thing that's hard yeah I think acknowledging that it's hard is really important yeah absolutely because you see everyone on Instagram and all the social media and they make it look so easy and then you feel bad because it's not easy. You're not, you're not, you don't seem to be having the same experience as someone else. Well, the alternative is I, I don't find it hard to look after myself anymore. I am at the top of my to do list. But then the alternative is to spend an obscene amount of money on therapy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Which is what I've done over the years and training and stuff. And, you know, I've made it my my special interest to figure out how to be kind to myself and it's that constant reminder you know I'm a hypnotherapist and I still have therapy because if I didn't have therapy I would be an awful hypnotherapist you well, know back to holding again we need holding yeah yeah as um space holders as therapists and that is no different from any other menopause uh, who is dealing with a lot of um emotional what do you call it emotional labor doing a lot of emotional labor mm. you need holding in order to do that emotional labor and i think yeah. one, one of the things that is really uh, really a game changer for me was thinking about uh being a good role model in my case it was to do with kids my kids yeah. but it's the same it's the same for uh, modeling good behavior for nephews and nieces and for for friends yeah. For anyone, you know, do I want to demonstrate? Do I want my the people that I love, my friends, my kids, to um, follow my example of uh, burning, of working and working and working because I feel that I'm never good enough? Yeah. I mean, specifically, very personally, my daughter. How do I want? How do I want to model being in a female body for my daughter? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a serious business, and I yeah. there's there's no way on earth that I want her to feel that that she's not allowed to rest, not allowed to put herself first, that she's not able to set boundaries. Yeah, you know, it's, no. it's a massive part of parenting is, is modelling good behaviour, and you know it's been the saviour of me. I've given all my worst habits. I've given up. Yeah, <laughs> because I just don't want to pass them on to my kids. Yeah. But it's but it's no different if you have if you have friends who are suffering you know the best thing yeah. you can do is model is model great self-care yourself 
Yeah, and I, you know, for me, my business is my baby and, and my um, my client relationships that I have. And having clients, for me, it, it, that holds me accountable. I, I, you know, I really do feel like I can't, I can't be saying all this stuff. I can't, can't be holding space for them if I'm not holding space for me or, or investing in my own self-care and, and things like that. So yeah, that's what does it for me. I think, I think anytime I do feel run ragged and burnt out and awful, I feel like such a fraud when I'm trying to hold space for someone else. Mm. So that, gives me a little bit of um, a wake up call to yeah. think, right, okay, come on, Sally, back to self care. But it is always that I think we would bump up against that brick wall of burnout. And then we come back to self care. Yeah, and then we bump up against it again. Yeah, that's really, that's really good to remember. But it's that the it is cyclical and we, you know, we have times when we're really sorted, like, oh, I'm so caring, I'm in love with myself. And then we fall, we fall off the wagon and we hit that wall and then everything yeah. goes to shit. Yeah. And we can't remember how to do it anymore. Yeah. And then we, as you say, we chip, chip our way back into it. So when we, when we do fall off the wagon, you know, that's part of, that's just part of it as well. It's know? just part of it. And I think we beat ourselves up, don't we? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. a bad person. I've failed. I'm terrible. And I should have known better. And yeah, have those thoughts, but don't beat yourself up for having those thoughts and, and try not to have those thoughts if at all possible, mm. because you're not a failure. It's so normal. It's cyclical. We're, we're taught by the patriarchy, aren't we? That things have to be a certain way. This is how it is and if it's not that way then it's wrong and we need to get back on the wagon and yeah we do need to get back on but <laughs> we should never punish ourselves for for being off it mm. because if we do that then it, that's sort of adding more layers of self-harm I think yeah. mental self-harm <laughs> now yeah. you have a pretty spiffy looking program about sleep coming up can you say a bit about that yeah, so it's a 12-week online course and community. So I keep numbers quite small. There won't be any more than 14 people in the group. Um, we cover all sorts of things. We cover things like um, self-sabotage, secondary gain. Like, what are you gaining from not sleeping as well? Like, what's going on there? Because often that can... One of my clients, um, she was bullied a lot as a child and her daytime was a very traumatic place to be. But the nighttime was peace and calm and spaciousness and nobody was attacking her at nighttime. So when she was a child, she linked nighttime to happy and daytime mm. to sad. Mm. So I helped her to sort of unglue herself from that programming so that she could now start to see nighttime as a safe, warm space mm -hmm. and daytime uh, sorry nighttime as a place for her to rest mm -hmm. and to let go and then daytime as a safe space for her to live in because she was no longer being bullied and it's just telling that subconscious mind on repetition you're not being bullied anymore it's okay it's safe for you to exist in the daytime now mm -hmm. so <laughs> here you go and and nighttime is your time to rest and there are lots of different things that people don't actually realize are keeping them up old stories from the past you know especially if you've had like something's happened to you in the middle of the night maybe um your breathing slowed right down or maybe you were sick in the middle of the night maybe you choked in the middle of the night because you were asleep or and the mind creates a a program that says, well, I must never go to sleep because I need to be on high alert. You know, mm -hmm. something bad might happen if I sleep. Mm -hmm. So we unpick all of that. Sorry, I've digressed totally. What else do we do? We look at nutrition. We look at lifestyle. We look at work-life balance. There's a whole module on um, doing the groundwork, mm -hmm. which encompasses all the meditation techniques. It also encompasses a, a little mini masterclass on the chakra system and how we can work with the chakras to discharge and recharge our energy, depending on what's going on. Um, looking at reframing sleep. So the whole idea of, you know, taking the pressure off mm. ourselves to sleep. And finally, as well, we, we talk about 
connection, communication and control. So how to let go of hyper control, where it might be safe for you to just let go of the reins a little bit. And um, yeah, all things like that. There's loads, there's wow. loads of stuff. It's really comprehensive. And it's give, really give comprehensive. Yeah. So where, where, um, when, when does it open? When do you sign up? So, and where? When so you, the, the cart will open. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> sorry, it's so wanky, isn't it? The cart will open on the 7th of September. The cart closes on the 19th of September. Okay, so there's a little window where we have to get busy to, yeah. to join you. Okay. Yeah. I love the sound of it being a small group. Yeah, Soothing. that's what really gives it its specialness because we all get together. We do um, bi-weekly group support sessions via Zoom as well, yeah. And where, where do we find you? It's sallygarozzo.com forward slash sleep. Yeah. straightforward and I'll put you. that in the notes as well okay so I could just talk about sleep forever <laughs> yeah yeah me too <laughs> oh, that's, yeah it's my one of my um abiding interests yeah um uh... but we have to we have to stop at some point because I need to go for a nap <laughs> good I give you full permission <laughs> thank you so much I want you to have that nap. That that feels so good. I feel like I'm wearing a sort of nap crown or Mm. halo that I can polish. Anyway, but before I go off my nap, please, can you give me your tippiest top tip for a a gorgeous inside life? Oh, let me think about this. Um, For a gorgeous inside life. I was just going to say put yourself first, but that's, (laughs) it's, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Um, let me let me just feel into this. Mm. I think knowing that perimenopause isn't just what you do on the outside. It's not just. It's not just. I've got to eat better. I've got to exercise. I've got to rest. I've got to sleep. Yes, you do have to do all of those things, but there's. There's an emotional element, perimenopause as well, which is so important. And I would just say, please don't ignore that. Like there's a there's a part of you that is wanting to burst forth and she might be um, confused. She might be angry. She might be apathetic, but let like let her have a voice and find out what it is she wants to say, like what 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 happened to her to make her um feel this way as well that just do do the self-investigation if you feel called to i think that's a really huge part of the perimenopausal journey yeah yeah i would totally agree with that one oh (laughs) thank you so much sally for your willingness to be vulnerable and present and share your experience and your cohesive expertise in the area I have learned so much uh, from talking to you and I have lots to lots to research and to discover brilliant well thank you so much for having me Kate it's been lovely it's been so nice it's been so easy to talk to you If you want to find out more about Sally's sleep program and coaching, you can go to Sally Garozzo, that's S-A-L-L-Y-G-A-R-O-Z-O.com. Or you can find her on Instagram at Sally Garozzo Mind Mentor, and that's all one word. I'd love to hear what helps you to get to sleep or, or not, what's keeping you awake. So please pop over to Instagram where I'm at Kate underscore Codrington and tell me all about what you've enjoyed, what's working for you and what's not. If you have enjoyed the episode, I would be just so chuffed if you felt able to share it with a friend who needs some sleep or if you left a review, that that would just be brilliant. As long as you stayed awake, maybe we put you to sleep. Win-win. Thank you.